Welcome to the KC at the Movies podcast for the 16th of February 2021. How's everybody doing? It's been a while uh, since we've last spoke. Been a few months actually, but there's, you know, there's always a reason for things. And uh, I don't know, earlier this year, uh, we've, we've had a bit of a rocky start. Um, some things some things just went down in my personal life and um, I just wasn't ready to return to uh, make, making this content uh, based on the mood I was in. And um, yeah, just, just a lot of... I'll just say it was an upheaval in my uh, stability. I'll say that. And uh, I just wasn't wasn't prepared or wasn't ready to do any of this just yet. I had a lot of plans as well, how to start this year off, and it just kind of just went out of the way. So here we are in March. I think I said February <laughs> when we opened. Um, yeah, I think I said February when we opened. We're in March. Sorry. Uh, it is the third month of the year. Uh, we are in March. And um, I thought this was, this was always going to be the original plan, but... I thought for the first podcast of the year, I'm going to go through my 2020 list, which I did release on uh, my public pages of Instagram and Facebook. I thought I'd just reflect on my 2020 list, see what I put for my top 10, see if anything's changed. Uh, I haven't seen uh, this list in a while, ever since I posted this on uh, New Year's Eve last year. So I'm interested to see what... What's there? And because uh, I don't think I remember all of it. I know definitely what my number one will be, but like all the other places, I'm not too sure. What I thought I'd do is just open my Instagram up and uh, head back, head over to the, uh, the top 10 page and just talk about my top 10. Later on in the podcast, I'm also going to just tell you guys what I've been watching lately and let you know what's coming up next and uh, what plans we have for the next couple of months. Um, but first of all, let's get into it. Let's let's talk about these this uh, 2020 list. I also uh, want to add as well, along with this list, I want to just talk about my favorite performances of last year as well because we just had the Oscar noms uh, come out this morning and I've got thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, not, wouldn't, wouldn't say too many, uh, you know, bad thoughts, but I've got thoughts on that. Okay, here we go. This is the uh, this is the top ten of uh, last year. My number ten was Kajillionaire, uh, which is uh, written directed by Miranda July, starring Evan Rachel Wood and uh, Jenna Rodriguez. And uh, this was this was a very 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 different film, uh, especially Evan Rachel Wood's performance. And um, I feel it was underseen. Not many people did see it last year. I believe it did play at uh, Sundance 2020. And people were talking about it when it came out then. Uh, but yeah, I don't think uh, many people were talking about this. And it's just a really very, very unique film. Especially the performance from Evan Rachel Wood. Um, playing a character named Old Dolio. And... Um, Richard Jenkins is also in this supporting character. You have, uh, yeah, as I said, Jenna Rodriguez as well as, as a uh, one of the leads. And um, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say she's supporting, but she's also really good as well. And um, I love the final shot of the film and without spoiling anything. And it's just very, very unique. I love the tracking shots. There's a few good long takes. And the score by Emil um, Mossetti or Mossori. Uh, let me just double check because this is what one of my favorite composers at the moment. 
Um, yeah, Emile Mossetti. Uh, well, one of my favorite composers at the moment. We're going to talk about another film that he's done the score for uh, later on. But Kajillionaire, uh, check it out. It's very, it's very different. So it's about a uh, a woman who is. Um, her parents are like uh, grifters and and they uh, try to get her to do illegal things, stealing money, just try to get money uh, like in the most scoundrel-like uh, way as possible. I don't know how to say it um, properly and articulate professionally. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, they pretty much will do anything to scan the system or um, they won't pay for any goods. So they, what they do is they do these little heists and they get old Dolio, which is their daughter, to um, do it for them because of her, love her small stature and everything. I couldn't... Evan Rachel Wood is actually quite quite short, quite small. And she's like... I think she's in her 30s. I'm not too sure. But... Anyway, uh, it's a really, really, it's a very, very different film. I really, really liked it. And it's very um, off kilter. It's just, uh, it's damn good. <laughs> just say that, it's just damn good. Oh, hang on a second. I haven't seen, uh, I think it was, I haven't seen Miranda July's other films, but I may check them out uh, now once I've, now, now that I've seen Kajillia now, I may, uh, I may check check them out and as i said evan rachel wood uh gives one of my favorite performances of the year um she's she's absolutely incredible and it's just riveting it's a riveting movie i know i could have talked more on that but um, i don't want i don't want to spoil it i just don't want to spoil what happens it's just a ride i'll say that it's a ride it's a good ride all right my number nine was lovers rock from uh stephen stephen mcqueen's small axe series released a series of five films um, over December, and I think the last few came out in January, but uh, you have Mangrove, Lovers Rock, uh, Red, White, and Blue, Education, and Alex Weedle, and those were his five films that he released, and they're all great. Uh, this happens to be one of my favorites forever, Lovers Rock. It is a film that goes for about, I think it's like 70 or 80 minutes, and the whole film takes place over the night of a party. So it's the setup of a party, it's the party itself, and there's the aftermath of the party. And it's called Lovers Rock because there's two people meet during the party. They fall in love, and it's just a nice, sweet time. What I loved about Lovers Rock is I haven't seen a film so far that has perfectly encapsulated a party. And and just and not just like the party itself, like you know, let's talk about teenage movies and, and stuff like that. It's not the party themselves, it's just the energy when you're at a party and everything that happens during a party. Um, there, there could be bad things happening, there could be uh, good things happening, there's good music, there's probably bad music, and it's just shot so, so beautifully. I loved all the close-ups of just, there's this intimate, intimate close-ups that Steve McQueen chooses to focus on, where it's just like, it's just skin on skin, hands entwined with hands, and it's not just you people raging, and going hard with the music. Uh, certainly there is a sequence later on where that does happen. And it is great. But it more just focuses on the moment. The the intimacy of a party. And um, it's all just done and directed so carefully by McQueen. And um, it's got nothing to uh, 
ride home about um, character-wise, but it's not about that. It's just it's so centered on this one night, and um, McQueen just delivered well on it. So if you do want to see a film that encapsulates, I think encapsulates a party in the most intimate aspects, definitely check out uh, one of Steve McQueen's five uh, small act series, Lovers Rock. At number eight, I had uh, Wolfwalkers by uh, the new film by Cartoon Saloon, directed by Tom Moore. And uh, this was a very, very surprising movie. And it, it doesn't have, like, I guess, the deepness of most Disney Pixar films that come out nowadays. Um, those films are getting really into um, just exploring human psyche and, and emotions and um, feelings and and most recently uh, the soul of someone else <laughs> of, uh, of of people but Wolfwalkers is just this uh, just so beautifully animated film of just storybook fantasy and it's just a hell of a time it's got some great characters um, some great voice acting as well and it's just so dreamlike and uh, just a really, really, uh, I'd say dreamlike, really, really fun time. Great for the whole family, uh, to the kids, for the adults. It's just an excellent, well put together film that truly encaptures uh, just, yeah, as I said before, just old style storybook fantasy. And every frame you can just hang on in a wall because they're just, it's just so beautiful to look at. Um, you can actually watch this right now on Apple TV Plus if you have a subscription. You can actually catch most of these, um, which I'll get to in a minute. You can catch most of these on certain streaming services and you can rent them as well. I'm pretty sure you can own a few now, but at the time you could just see these on streaming services because of the whole pandemic. Lots of things came out on streaming services and uh, digital platforms to rent from and and uh, that's how it was. <laughs> that's how it was last year. There was no fucking going to the theater or anything. There was, it was just uh, sitting at home, sitting in bed, sitting in the lounge, watching films. And uh, Wolf Walkers is a prime example of something you can check out at home on Apple TV Plus. At number seven, I had uh, Big Time Adolescence. I've I have talked about this film on the podcast before, and um, still love it. Still love the film. It stars Pete Davidson, uh, Griffin Gluck, John Cryer, Sidney Sweeney, to name a few. And if you know those characters, Sweeney was in Euphoria. John Cryer obviously is uh, Alan from Two and a Half Men. And, um, you know, Pete Davidson. You know who Pete Davidson is. And uh, Griffin Gluck was from, um, uh, most notably from um, American Vandal, both seasons of American Vandal, which is a great uh, mockumentary series, by the way, if you haven't checked it out on Netflix. Uh, great series. Big Time Adolescence, though, it's just this really chill 90-minute film of uh, just this guy who really looks up to uh, Pete Davidson, who plays uh, Zeke, and um, it's just the challenges of him not having any friends and growing up with this guy who is definitely a bad influence on him, but looks up to him as a role model, and he gets caught up in drug dealing and partying and... And different things. It's just a... It's what it says. It's a big time adolescence. It's a coming-of-age film. But it's it's just a really chill one you can watch in the lounge. And uh, I've seen this movie like three, four times now. And um, 
I remember I had a night where last year I watched this again with some other um, easygoing films from last year like Palm Springs and uh, Shithouse. And we'll be talking about Shithouse in a little bit. But uh, yeah, Big Time Adolescence is you can just chuck it on. And um, you don't, it's, there's not really much plot to it and you can really just zone out and, and just, and just have a really fun, uh, chill, as I said, for the 500,000th time, <laughs> chill, chill time with this one. Directed by Jason Orley. I haven't seen what else Orley has done. I do know that he did direct, uh, Pete Davidson's last Netflix special. And which was which was all right. I, I didn't mind it. I thought didn't think it was his best. But yeah, I'm looking forward to what Ollie does next. I believe looking at it right now, he has another film coming out called "I Want You Back," starring Charlie Day, Jenny Slate. Yeah, I mean that those two alone. That's it for me. Those two alone. Um, and that's big time adolescence. So check it out. That was my number seven. All right, number six. I have Sound of Metal, which is. Uh, Written and directed by Darius Marta. I think the screenplay also was um, helped out by Direct, Direct Sound France, who has done Place Upon the Pines, Blue Valentine, Light Between Oceans. And um, this movie was very, very uh, not... Uh, it was it was not what I expected at all. It um, I thought it was just going to be this film about this uh, metal drummer, which is just, you know, his... There's a drama between him and maybe his uh, partner, um, who's played by Olivia Cook. I, because I, I don't think I even read the plot for this thing. I think I just like saw the star power. I really like Riz Ahmed, so I saw the star power. I heard it killed its um, was it Tiff? Was it Tiff in 20, 2019? I think. I'm not too sure. I think it was twenty nineteen Tiff. Um, yeah, and I wanted to check it out and did and was just blown away by it just absolutely blown away by it because i had no idea what the story was i think you should just if you don't know anything about this movie go in blind because you'll be as surprised as i was um i want to shout out paul racy as well for his supporting performance he was really really good as this uh guy who um who's this like leader of this um deaf support group and um, I guess I haven't told you the plot of the film yet. Yeah, so it's about Riz Ahmed, who um, plays a guy named Ruben, who is a metal drummer, or a drummer for a metal band, same thing. Um, and pretty much what happens is he just starts losing his hearing, and it gets very, very sad. <laughs> um, you know, not meant, not meant to laugh about it, but it, it, gets, it gets very, very uh, unexpectedly, very dramatic, especially with his performance and his relationship between Olivia Cook, um, between Paul Race's character, Joe, who works as the, uh, the death support group leader and, um, learn a lot about ASL during this film. And, um, I also want to shout out the sound design and I, I haven't, I haven't fully checked all Oscar categories yet. Um, cause I don't think I saw sound, but sound of metal should be getting one for sound design because there is a sequence at the end of the film which just absolutely blew me away and really puts you in the mindset and the psyche of um, Ruben. Now, if you want to hear my full thoughts on Sound of Metal, I believe the last or the second last podcast I did talks about it more in a, in a more um, uh, elongated sense. 
and uh, I'm not going to talk anymore about Sound of Metal, but that was my number six, and I still feel good about it being number six. It's, it's a great film. All right, now heading over to number five, we have Another Round, written and directed by Thomas Vincent Berg, starring my boy, Mads Mikkelsen, or our boy. He's everyone's boy, really. Uh, Another Round is about uh, a couple of teachers that decide to pretty much partake in a drinking experiment or a alcoholic um, dangerous experiment where they realize they can keep their BPI, I believe it's a it's at 0.05 or 0.5, one of those ones, and it allows them to function better, allows them to enjoy life more, and so they decide to take on the experiment and see how it goes. And of course, you know, there is there is mixed results. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, love this film. Absolutely love this film. It's so well paced. It's so well acted. Mads Mikkelsen's fantastic in it. Um, his dance at the end just tells you everything. Um, yes, tells you everything. And I just love the way that Vinterberg approached this sort of material. He didn't make it seem even melodramatic. He didn't make it seem... He also just make it, didn't, didn't make it seem fun. I think he struck the perfect balance between not making it melodramatic and or juvenile or noxious like most teen movies will. I think he's found this, the, uh, the perfect balance of the right amount of realism and also not shying away just how fun it is to drink with your friends and have a good time. And I really, really appreciated um, how he approached that. I loved when they made The Hunt back in 2013, even though that movie is a bit heavier than this one. And I was very, very excited when they, you know, came together for this. I've been looking forward to this for like so long. And then I finally got to see it through a virtual cinema. And um, it was worth everything. And now you can get it. So you can check if, I believe it's in, it's on, it's in Amazon. I think it's on Amazon. I think. I think it's on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it's on Amazon. So if you have Amazon, check out another round. It has... To my knowledge, looking at the nominations this morning, has been nominated, as it should have been nominated, for International Feature. And um, Maz Mikkelsen should have been got a Best Actor nod, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but it's a really, really fun time. And if you like anything I've already said, if you like alcohol, especially, and drinking it, you're going to like this movie. But you're also going to learn something. So that's good. You're, you're also just going to learn that Maz Mikkelsen is, is one of the best actors of our generation. And uh, love this film. Definitely happy having this at number five. All right, at number four, I have Eliza Hitman's Never Really, Sometimes Always. Didn't mean to sound that chipper about this this type of film, but very happy to um, sound chipper in the way of it being just an incredible film uh, that Eliza Hitman has made here. Um, it is about a pair of teenage girls who um, decide to travel through rural Pennsylvania. Uh, sorry, it's about a pair of teenage girls that live in rural Pennsylvania and they cannot... Uh, what happens is the uh, main girl, Autumn, played by Sydney Flanagan, we'll be talking about her in a little bit, um, she gets knocked up and she can't get an abortion in Pennsylvania. So they travel to New York City to find out the right medical help they can and um, trying to get uh, her an abortion. This film is excellent. I would actually put this 
I think I will. I'm going to put this at a four and a half. I'm looking at this in Letterboxd at the moment, and I'm definitely going to put this at a four and a half now because every, I think it's the more I think about it, the more it's just so almost perfect. And um, Eliza Hitman is definitely a director I'm going to be checking out. And I did. I checked out a few of her short films on... Um, on uh, um, I checked out a few of her short films on Criterion Channel. And um, I really liked them. I still need to check out It Felt Like Love and Beach Rats, but um, I'm definitely going to check those out when I can. Because she, she knows how to make a film, especially, again, another director approaching this subject matter in such a mature and careful way, especially with these characters. And it's, it's also held by performances from Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder who um, play the two girls, Autumn and Skylar. And uh, the way it's filmed, the almost guerrilla style of them going for New York City. And then we've got to talk about the scene, the never really sometimes always scene. It's iconic for a reason. It's acted very well. It's just crushing to watch. And um, it, it really got me invested and interested in this subject matter. And, and, and really, I didn't, know all of this i didn't know that um certain places didn't allow it um and you know that could be my ignorance as well that could be um just me not being educated on this subject enough and and because of this film because of a certain other documentaries um i've tried to educate myself myself more in this matter and it's because um it's all because it all starts with this film because it just it, it, it just it just nailed it it just nailed the mood and 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 the vibe and um and you, you are really really invested in this this journey for these girls um another film that tried to do this with this sort of subject matter was Unpregnant uh with Haley Lee Richardson and Barbie Ferreira and that that didn't work for me I think I've talked about that before in the podcast but that that didn't really work for me I thought that was uh, I, I didn't like that. <laughs> I, I just say I didn't like that. That was pretty much if this film was with Booksmart. And um, yeah, I was not a fan of that one. This one, definitely. Do check it out if you want to educate yourself more in this matter. Or if you're just interested in a very, very human story. Never really, sometimes, always. It's, 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 it's a gorgeous film. Next up, number three. What have I got here? Oh, yes. I'm just like flicking through the... Um, I've got Instagram up on the computer, so I've got to like flick through it. Um, Shit House was my number three. Yes, that is the film. That is the title of the film. Uh, Shit House. This is Cooper Rafe's directorial debut. I believe this played at South by last year, and it is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Let me give it four. four yes, four and a half, because. I don't know if I talked about this um, like singularly on another podcast, but I'll just talk about it now. As someone who has gone through this certain situation, I graduated uh, film school like uh, three, we, we, almost three years ago now. It's like two and a half now. Um, and I was there for two years. And while I really enjoyed my time there and I made a lot of friends, I was far away from home for the first time for an, an extensive amount of time, extended amount of time. And I was kind of in a deep pit of uncertainty and um, 
this film has moments that I went through, like it was just scene for scene, <laughs> just like uh, it's almost adapted from real life. I've just like late phone calls with family, hanging out with new people, trying to fit in, trying to make new friends, um, and then working your ass off, and then just trying to find your place in this this crazy, crazy world. <laughs> um, and I've seen a few films that have tried to capture the essence of these experience of these experiences and these emotions but i've never it's never been so articulated so concisely and naturally like shithouse has with um cooper ray for what he's done with this film now it's almost like he made a student film about his time at film school or college but this time just fucking nailed it and he just it just he just pulled it off that that was definitely my relatable film for 2020 and um probably probably one of the most relatable films and that I've seen for myself in like the past decade, almost, almost decade. And, um, I, I have rewatched it and, um, it's, um, it's, it's even better on the second go. Um, so what it is pretty much about, if you didn't get from the gist of that description there of me talking about it, um, it is just about a guy named Alex who, uh, meets his RA. He's having a hard time at college. He talks to his stuffed animals. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a bit of a lonely boy. I'll say that. Misses his family, very homesick, and um, closes himself off from all his peers. Doesn't want to, doesn't want to learn. Like he doesn't want to learn to. Like, doesn't want to learn his subjects. He doesn't want to make any friends, and uh, he bumps into his RA, which I've been told was resident advisor. I wasn't sure what that stood for before I watched the film, and um, she's played by uh, Dylan Jalula. Now, you might know, I don't know her from many things, but I do know her from uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And she played the the daughter in um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh, Zan, I think it was. Um, I'm just going to look it up. Yeah, uh, Zan. And um, she gives one of my favorite performances from last year. She'll be coming up in the list I'm talking about later as well. Um, she she gets one of my favorite performances last year. It's just a really another really chill film. <laughs> Don't want to use that word again, but it's another chill film. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of walking around, and it's just very very emotional and so intimate. And ah, love it, absolutely love it. And um, yeah, I'm very happy with still it's still been uh, number three because it did really mean a lot to me last year. This film, I'm very happy keeping it at number three. All right, we're going to like keep chugging along here because we're, we're, we're going for a while. So my number two is uh, Charlie Kaufman's adaptation of Ian Reid's novel, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Now, I watched this uh, when it first came out on the 4th of September last year. was blown away by it, but I had a lot of thoughts about it. It was definitely for a pretty inaccessible film for a casual viewers i'll say that because people are going to be like this is boring nothing's happening what the fuck um and people that have read the book is a very it has a very different ending and um i really liked it i loved charlie Kaufman's take on it i just have i think with the ending he's trying to have his cake and eat it too which doesn't really work in my opinion but um that's just my opinion on the ending that's the only thing that held it back for me for getting just full five because everything else is just amazing. Uh, Jesse Buckley's performance, Jesse Plemons' performance, Tony Collette's performance, David Thiller's performance. Performances all around the board. And the whole mood 
and the way the film's edited and the way the film's shot, it just fucking puts you in that atmosphere. And um, Kaufman himself had to put a lot of himself uh, within uh, within the film as well, and as he does with most of his works. And um, I realized the adaptation. Some people really don't like it. People don't even like the uh, the book itself. But I know a lot of people didn't really take to this one. Um, but I, I really, really enjoyed it. And then I watched it again on New Year's Eve just to make sure, just to uh, reassure my feelings on it. And it's really, yeah, it, it, it really stays with you. And I still think it's a very, very slow-paced film. It can hurt it in certain aspects, but I'm still not going to take away for style from that one. It's still the ending, which I think... It could have ended with either the the ballet ending, or it could have ended with the uh, the Oklahoma musical ending. Um, so, I think just choose one. That was just my only nitpick with it. Just choose one, and and who knows, it might have been a a, a better film. But I'm not going to knock it back. That's just my opinion. Uh, I still think this is a marvelous, marvelous piece of work and a great adaptation from Kaufman. And um, I'm currently reading his book at the moment, Antkind, which came out, I believe, in August last year, and um, it's it's a doozy, boy. It's a it's a dense dense thing. If I if I thought Senate Dick in New York was dense, this is wow. This <laughs> this is this is this goes this goes uh, to the to the um, the core of the earth. <laughs> I'll say that um, it's it's a big boy. Big, big boy. Still haven't finished it yet. It's actually taken me a bit of a tangent here. Sorry, guys. Uh, take me five months to... Uh, it's actually taken me like five months to read the fucking thing. Cause it's like 700 pages long. And because it's so dense, you can't just keep reading it on over and over and over. And um, it's taken me a while to like... Because I'm reading certain things between. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the person that reads like two books at a time. So um, this one was like a little hard to get into after certain things. And also, all the stuff that happened in, in uh, the beginning of the year stopped me from, like, returning to the book and, and finishing it because I didn't really want to feel, yeah, feel the certain things that were in the novel or just really dive back into this crazy, crazy world that Kaufman creates in this novel. Um, but that's Airkind. Check it out. If you're a fan of Charlie Kaufman, I do recommend reading it, but I'm just going to give you a warning that it's very, very uh, big and dense and it contains a lot of information, characters, world-building, crazy crazy shit and covers so many themes and topics that it's just like ridiculous um back to what i'm thinking of ending things though um i still think snatnicky is a better film in terms of his directorial efforts but really really like this film there's definitely there's a reason why it's number two jesse buckley was one of the best performances of last year shut up and um yeah that's what my thoughts are all right and finally at number one it's, um, I went and saw it when I first, we had an early screening of it uh, before the end of the year last year. And then I got to watch it again when we got it on digital for a movie night. And uh, it's it's still as impactful as ever. And the way it's made is just, yeah, it stays in my mind. It's, it's, and it's, it's because of performances from Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, even the supporting cast, which is great. And, and just pull these characters off really really well and um the star of the show though is is carrie mulligan but also the star of the show is its director emerald fennell and writer emerald fennell um i'm talking about promising young woman 
that is my number one of 2020. That was my number one. That is still my number one of 2020. And just this morning, the Oscars has been nominated for uh, picture, screenplay, actress, uh, director. So it's done the full sweep. It deserves a full sweep. It is a colorful, almost bouncy film, um, just vibrant, but the subject matter it handles is dark and um, depressing and um, it's almost like a dark comedy and I, I'm a big fan of dark comedies and the way that Fennell helms the film is just, it's, it's just excellent and it's a roller coaster ride from start to fucking finish, especially with that ending, very, very satisfying ending, I'll say that, very, 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 very uh, satisfying ending. There's nothing more I can say about this film. Check it out. You can get it now. And I believe they'll do, like, the cinemas in Australia, because we are, um, we have been open for a while, again, because we're not as crazy as the rest of the world, like, in terms of numbers of um, coronavirus, although we did pick up a few more cases a few days ago. Scary stuff. But we have, like, had the film, the cinemas open for a while. And um, I, I, they'll play, like, the Oscar picks again. So when they do do that, do please check out um, Promising Young Woman. It is a absolutely extraordinary effort from Amrug Fennell, both writing and directing, and Carrie Mulligan gives probably my favourite performance of a whole career. It's just, it's fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. And that is it. That is my top 10 of 2020. That was my reflection of the film's still feel the same as uh, as I did before. Um, I'm happy keeping it in those places. Promising Young Woman uh, definitely still is my number one of the year, but I have um, I had been told to watch certain other films and I, I just hadn't got around to it. That came out in 2020, like Minari, Nomadland. I just, they weren't available in Australia, but they finally were like a few weeks ago, so I checked them out. But that will be being talked about in um, something I'm going to call my 2020 catch-up which will be um, done within the next few weeks. And um, Manara will be talked about more about there. Um, right. Um, I also want to just, as well as talking about my top 10 from last year, I also want to talk about my favorite actors' performances, both male and female. I have, I have quite a few to talk about. And uh, uh, just give me a second while I go and just give me a second while I find this list. Yeah, so um, it looks like I have thrown the list away, which I had the uh, performances and names on. Um, yeah, and because I've I can't really think at the top of my head what my favorite performances were. Um, sorry, I yeah. Just scrap it, I guess, and scrap the, <laughs> scrap the uh, best actor segment and uh, or what I thought were good. Um, and I guess I might even save that till the Oscar um, podcast I'll do or something. Maybe maybe I'll just name a few performances that I thought were good as well. Um, because I do want to talk about those nominations and that will also be coming out um, along with this podcast as well. So thank you again for um, listening to the podcast hope you enjoyed the uh, top 10 there if you let me know if you have any opinions on those and um, I'm very very sorry about the old uh, the actor segment there um, yep can't trust past me can't you but before I go I just want to talk about um, some film goals I have for the year that I feel like I want to accomplish and just it's just better if I um, 
if I say it aloud. And maybe you guys want to um, try your own film goals there as well. Um, so what I've got here, uh, number one, I want to watch more documentaries. I didn't watch enough documentaries last year. I think I only watched like the ones everyone was talking about, like uh, Boys State. Um, and then I watched a few more towards the end of the year. So again, not many documentaries. Um, this year though, I've already watched four documentaries and that's like, again, that's not, not that much, but I'm going to watch all the documentaries that were nominated, nominated in, uh, that were nominated in, in documentary feature film and, um, for the Oscars. And, um, yeah, I just want to learn more about things because I watched a recent one called 76 days, which was set during the first days of the uh, coronavirus in China in the uh, uh, Wuhan hospital. And that was insane. So um, I do want to learn about a lot more things and um, I should stop being so ignorant towards those documentaries. Um, I do want to check out more foreign films. I do watch a lot of foreign movies, but I do want to check out some more. I want to check out some classics. I want to check I'm talking like the three colors trilogy. Um, yeah, films from like old uh, you know, French directors, Italian directors, and uh, just a lot of classics. Do want to check them out? Number three, I want to watch more movies on streaming services because I want to make use of the payments. I currently pay about thirty dollars for my streaming services at the moment. I'm subscribed to Netflix, Stan, uh, Amazon Prime, Apple TV Plus, um, Criterion Channel, Anime Lab and shut up at the moment and um it's it's very you know it's affordable for a whole month and i do want to keep more but i need to make moves the payments because i haven't especially towards the end of the year um and beginning of this year i just hadn't used those enough especially shutter and um criterion channel apple tv plus haven't been using that much because apple tv plus just doesn't put enough content out so i'm actually thinking about just getting rid of apple tv plus because they're just not justifying their existence at the moment in terms of content or original content they're putting out. I can find most of those movies on different streaming services for free and end in better and end in like the, the same or better quality. So I, unless Apple kind of steps up their game, I'm probably going to get rid of uh, that service. And then a big one that consumes my every day is just watching YouTube. And um, I want to stop doing that as well. Um, hopefully watching more films or doing more things in my daily life like meditation, reading and uh, writing, I can, you know, try and get, get away from the, those habits of just like consuming too much um, YouTube, especially. I want to make my own shit. I've got to stop watching other people's stuff. <laughs> um, although some of it is inspiring, I do stick to my movie channels a lot. And, um, but other stuff I know I can cull and get, get rid of because I don't, it doesn't really do much for me i don't need it it's just the form of it's just, you know it's just the convenience of it being there i think so those are my goals for the year and before we head out i just want to talk about <laughs> this is not a sponsor <laughs> um, i just want to talk about what we've got um happening um in the next uh, next few months so the next podcast will be a 2020 catch-up which will be all the films uh that that were um that were mentioned by a few people or a few friends or recommended by a few friends or um, the ones that I just, the ones that I missed. Um, there's going to be a list of, I think there's like 10. There's 10, I think. And um, it's on my letterbox. I can actually just look at it right now. Um, hang on. Let me just check my letterbox and see what's there. 
No, it's not. Oh, it's just the 2020 catch-up. There it is. So I've got, yeah, 10 films here. Um, and I've now seen uh, three of them. So I, I'm going to, um, yeah, and it's, a good, it's a good selection of stuff as well, a good mix of stuff. So, yeah, keen to check those out and get, get, get those out of the way. Um, and get those out of the way. Now, um, <clears throat> everything I watched segment that I do on YouTube will be returning in April, talking about the March, the movies I watched in March, and um, I'm going to fix a glaring mistake when I uploaded those. Um, they were all <laughs> they were all in 360p, and I had no idea. So I'm going to do a full cleanup of the channel. There's a full cleanup of my Facebook pages, Instagram pages full full cleanup and and we're just going to revamp and we're going to start fresh and i'm going to make sure those videos are uploaded in 1080p so <laughs> that's a good start i guess and um yeah that's about it i'm also working on a um i'm also going to start working in a website to make everything have a hub for everything and make everything more central but um that will be coming on later on um but uh things like everything i watched and just more content in general, that'll be coming sooner, um, sooner than you think. Next week will be the 2020 catch-up, and then, at the moment, I'm watching um, all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, so I've got my thoughts on those, and I'll be talking about those um, as well. Uh, also, coming out this week, I'll be having a, um, a Oscar nominations kind of bonus podcast, where I want to talk about nominations. I do it every year, so why not do it again this year? Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, yeah, welcome back. We are back. It's good to be back. And it uh, feels good talking about movies again. Have a great week. And um, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you soon.